Welcome to Speaking of Arkansas. I'm your host, Greg Harton of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. You know, in Benton County, voters on November 8th will be asked to approve higher sales taxes. There's a temporary one to build an expansion of the jail and a permanent sales tax to fund its ongoing operation. The projected cost of the construction project is somewhere around $200 million. Today, my guests are three elected officials from Benton County who are advocates for jail expansion. Barry Mooring is the county judge, Nathan Smith is the prosecutor, and Sean Holloway is the sheriff. Today, we'll dive in and hear what they have to say about the jail and its role when it comes to community safety and dealing with those who break the law, all on this episode of Speaking of Arkansas. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Let's start off with some basics. So the current jail opened for inmates in 1999. Um, construction costs back then was $16.8 million, I believe it was. Um, how long has the county jail been too small for the number of people who are jailed in Benton County? It's been an issue for around... 2015-16 is when we started seeing our numbers reaching capacity. Uh, there are many things that happened. Obviously, um, prior to COVID, we were uh, at a point that we started having talks about what are we going to do for the future because we were overloaded right now. Then, as we know, COVID changed everything for a couple years there. Uh, but we started seeing an increase uh, at our maxes around 15 and 16 in certain areas. As sheriff, you're you're in charge of operating the jail, making sure that we we stay within some legal boundaries as far as how we treat people that are in jail. Um, how challenging has that been? It's been real challenging. Um, of course, you know, we have jail standards that come and do an audit and inspection of the facility every year. And we've always got pretty high ratings in almost every area except for a uh, few here in the last few years, uh, namely the amount of people that we're holding because uh, they have, um, by law, uh, in their world with national jail standards, you got to have X amount of square feet per person. Uh, so that has been a real issue. Um, uh, fortunately, you know, we've got a, uh, a great environment where the judges and prosecutors and law enforcement there, we've worked together, especially through covid uh, to try to come up with solutions and we have all types of different um, diversions and drug court and things of that nature uh, trying to get the number down on you know, what type of people we have there and what people we can let out so it has been a challenge uh, it's going to be an ongoing challenge uh, going in the future uh, regardless of the direction we go in november with this um, we've got things facing us that we're going to have to deal with pretty soon and the number of beds that number I know fluctuates based on how you have to configure the different types of inmates that you hold, but but basically what's the number of beds? 669 beds are actual physical beds uh, that we have, and that's if you didn't have any separations uh, based on why the person is there. Uh, we have to uh, uh, separate certain individuals, obviously male, female, uh, based on their charges. Uh, a lot of times uh, even though we have 669 beds by jail standards, you're only supposed to use 80% of that 
is recommended based on the reasoning of separation uh, based on classifications. So help me to understand why 669 beds or some variation of that is, is too small. Well, I think um, and this if, is prosecutor Nathan yeah. Smith. Yeah. Well, I think if you, all you have to do is just look at the number of uh, felony filings and look at the the period of time. So, in uh, 2011, uh, and we presented this to the quorum court. In 2011, uh, we filed somewhere in the neighborhood or, or opened somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,760 felonies. All right. That number by 2021 had risen to roughly 3,000 felonies. We were a little bit above, a little bit below, but we're hovering right around 3,000 for the last couple of years. And so that's roughly a 60% increase in the uh, number of felony filings we've seen over that period. And that tracks um, basically through every number uh, that we've seen because as the population has increased, we've gotten more of everything. And unfortunately, we've gotten more of crime as well. And so what we've had to do, and the sheriff was kind of alluding to this, is we've had to begin to make difficult decisions about who we hold. When I first became a prosecutor in 2007, if someone would commit, let's say, a, a lower-level felony, let's say they commit a felony theft or something like that, it wasn't uncommon at all to put somebody on probation and require them to do 15, 30 days in the Benton County Jail as sort of like a shock treatment, you know, to uh, kind of get them on the right path. Um, those days are over. There is no room for anything like that anymore. So what the jail has turned into is a place where we hold increasingly uh, serious repeat and violent criminals. Um, and we're just in the position now of determining who we're going to release. Uh, and so that is the position that, that we're in, and it's not good for the community because it's going to put us uh, as law enforcement, the prosecutors, judges, in the positions of determining not hey, who are the people that, you know, how can we use our resources uh, to make the community safer? We're, we're basically making a choice of evils right now. And we did that during COVID for, you know, pandemic reasons. So what we saw there is even the folks that we released um, that we thought, well, of all the people in here, here are the folks that we feel the least bad <laughs> about releasing. Um, the majority of those people committed a new crime, either by failing to appear or, or committing a more serious crime in the, in the future. And so that actually snowballed our problem because those people got rearrested and they were back in on even higher bonds. And so we've just seen the problem compound over time. So, on, you know, on that topic, uh, about two months ago, uh, we had a population around 750, I believe, that particular day. I was interested in uh, repeat offenders uh, based on people we had in the facility at that point. So we ran some stats on it and we found out of that 750, the average time they had been to the Benton County Jail was 17.4 times of that 750. That was our average. Uh, that kind of speaks to what Nathan was talking about with the repeat offenders. Does that, does that suggest that what we're doing isn't working? Well, I think what I would say about that is when, when you look at what do you, and Barry, jump I'm sorry, I, I feel like I stepped on you there. I, I think no. I jumped in well, uh, I, on him. But. I, I was, so that it's a little, it's the same top, topic, but a little different angle. Because um, at the county, the single artist infrastructure responsibility we have to the entire county is our criminal justice system. So it's with the courts and it's with the jail. And the jail we have today was envisioned and built by then Sheriff Andy Lee. And at that time, the Northwest Arkansas Regional Planning Commission thought that by 2020, Benton County would have this unbelievable amount of growth and take us to about 175,000 people. 
Well, they missed it by about 115,000. The truth is we came in at the census about 285,000. We probably have more than 300,000 today. So those strains are showing because we built a jail that at the time was thought to be way overbuilt. Turns out it was underbuilt. And so it's from, from a county perspective, setting aside the emotions of the, of the criminal side, which are very real, this is very similar to needing new streets, needing new parks, needing new sewers, needing new libraries, whatever the case might be. This is our infrastructure responsibility of the county, and we've simply outgrown it. The good news is our rate of crime, and Nathan can expand on this, our rate of crime has basically remained relatively flat. But even in a relatively flat period, when you have that many more people here, you're going to have that many more people enter the criminal justice system and, and the jail. It is an infrastructure responsibility. And I, I think I just need to be clear with our listeners that uh, when we talk about County Judge Barry Mooring, we're not talking about a judge like a judicial judge. We're talking about the chief yeah. administrator of of many functions within my, county government. My wife is an attorney, and she reminds people all the time, he's not a real judge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, right. the, I'm the county that's judge. Right. That but, is a but lot County, that is a lot county facilities right. do fall under <laughs> your yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm your technically the, the, the landlord of the county, technically, yeah. yeah. So, so let's just get back to that, yeah. you know, that question I'm asking. Uh, uh, you know, if you've got that much recidivism yeah. happening, that, to some people, that would suggest that, that the, the approach that we're using in Benton County and Washington County is failing to make it much of a difference uh, to, to, to clean up our crime issues. Well, it's a pretty complex, and there's many prongs that go to that. And I believe that we're doing a lot of things right, and we were doing a lot of things right uh, prior to uh, getting to the point that we had to start looking at who we're holding, uh, namely programming uh, type of things that we can do for the inmates for drugs, alcohol, uh, many religious groups were coming in, uh, providing programming to help uh, people there get on the right track. We simply don't have enough room in the current facility uh, to facilitate anything of that nature. Uh, now, uh, one of the things looking in the, the project that we're working on, that, that is one of the focuses, is to have a lot more areas of space within the new facility uh, that we can have any type of programming that we need and we believe long term uh, that will make a big difference in our community and uh, you know there's this organization out there called the arkansas justice reform coalition we did a separate podcast with them um you know i i think they would look at that and say well you know that's fine but you're still talking about room within the jail for people who are in the jail and and they I think make an argument that there are effective ways to deal with crime without incarcerating people. They talk about how Arkansas has, I've heard, fourth, fifth, sixth highest level of incarceration in the entire United States, and um, uh, that, that just what we're doing doesn't really get to the heart of it. Um, uh, why, why is that not the case to the point that we need to spend two hundred and six million dollars to to build a facility. Well, I think for for our our perspective is that we need an all of the above approach to crime. All right, we're not suggesting that we don't need to expand drug courts or treatments or anything like that. It's important to remember that the opponents of this largely um, take the position, at least is the one I've heard them take, that there is no universe in which an expanded jail can ever be part of the solution. 
Um, and I think broadly, if you if you look nationally, the, the same issues we're dealing with in Arkansas and Northwest Arkansas and Benton County are the same ones that we've had to confront for years and years. And so you just have to look at what's worked. And so from roughly the 1960s, criminologists kind of fight over this, but from the 1960s through the 80s, the United States saw an incredible increase in violent crime, homicides, things like that all across the country. And in response to that, uh, noted uh, conservative politicians like Joe Biden and Bill Clinton uh, passed the 1994 crime bill um, in, in which they, they did a, a lot of things, you know, three strikes and you're out, um, tighter parole, uh, things like that. In Arkansas, we passed uh, the 70% parole eligibility law that basically says, you know, homicides, kidnappings, um, manufactured drugs, these serious crimes, uh, you're going to have to do a lot more of your time. And so we've seen over time that a, a strong and swift, um, you know, sentencing structure, the ability to immediately put people in jail when they break the law and the ability to incarcerate the right people is, in my opinion, and if you look over, over the course of what's happening in America, the most important ingredient uh, to public safety. And what I, would, what I challenge folks to do, because I've heard the debate from the other side a lot, is um, look at where their ideas have been tried, right? Because you can go places that try their ideas. I heard the other day that homicides in the state of New York, since they eliminated cash bail, and that's a big talking point for the criminal justice reform side, if we just eliminated cash bail, we wouldn't need all this room in the jail. Um, if you look in and just at the state of New York, homicides are up something like 40% since they've done that. Now, I'm not suggesting that's the only reason, but it certainly is a large reason because one of the things people always do is they say, well, the system that you have right now is imperfect without offering a, a real tangible solution, right? Um, and so can, can the criminal justice system be better? Certainly it can. We have to always, and, and that way I do support reform. We always have to be reforming and, and being better, but we have to do what works. And so if we don't have the right size county jail for a very expanding uh, population, we're not going to be able to do drug courts. We're not going to be able to do any of these alternative sentencing programs because what they will become is not a place where we can truly select people to rehabilitate them. They're going to become a pressure release valve or we're just going to say we're going to dump some people into these programs and those programs will fail. And so what I would just challenge folks is, listen, criminals are going to be one of two places, all right? They're either going to be in the community or they're going to be in the jail or in, in a prison. And you have to ask yourself, do you want those decisions made because there is not enough room to house them or do you want them made because even though there is enough room to house them, a judge uh, decides this person can be released into the community. And so the right size county jail, in my opinion, is the most important issue for public safety in Benton County. And we do have, as Judge Mooring said, a very low proportional crime rate that has remained relatively flat. But as our population has increased, we've seen our real numbers of, of crime increase. And so we have to ask ourselves, um, do, can we pursue the same policies uh, that some of these other, uh, you know, more coastal places have pursued and expect different results? Um, we're going to have to have a, a right-sized jail, a sufficient jail to both deter crime so that people know that if I commit a crime tonight, I'm going to jail tonight, uh, and also the ability to hold the right criminals so they can't commit more crime. So when you hear the terms judicial reform or justice reform, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a, as prosecutor, um, 
you know, is is that just a term that you, I mean, you mentioned the, the coastal communities. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds a little bit like, you know, those liberal elites or, yeah. you know, that sort of message uh, is, is the, you know, I think the argument is that, you know, for years and years we've had jail space and so there has been no impetus to do alternatives um, on any grander scale. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if we get more jail space, you know, I've, I've heard this mm-hmm. It'll fill comment up. made, if we build it, they'll come, basically. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it sounds like you're saying, you're okay with that. We need that. Yeah. But, but, and, and their argument is, well, no, if we don't have the jail space, we're going to figure out a way to do justice differently. Well, what I would say is that if you, so a couple of points. One is, if that were true, then all these other places who have essentially emptied out jails or shut them down and put hundreds of millions of dollars behind these programs, they would have succeeded. Uh, they haven't. And, and you can just go to Portland, go to Seattle, go to Chicago, go to these places and, and see how it was now versus 10 years ago. Um, the, the other issue is in terms of when, when the argument is made by criminal justice reform advocates, listen, if you build a bigger space, it will fill up. I think that makes my argument not theirs, because what they're saying is there are people who commit crimes in the community for which going to jail would be the appropriate remedy. Um, And so the the flip side of that is where are they going to be if we don't have the jail? They're still going to be committing crimes. An expanded Benton County jail does not cause people to go to commit a crime or a felony. Um, And so to, to, to a degree, I think that's making our argument. Um, we do need that jail so that so an expanded jail to meet the needs of that going forward. Because I agree, the reason we're saying we need to build it is because we need that space. We're, we're anticipating that our current trends continue. We are, have already outgrown our current jail. And so, yes, I, I, unfortunately, I do expect that there are going to be people who commit felonies who will need to be put in that jail. And those decisions need to be made by locally elected circuit judges uh, not by we simply have a need of necessity that, that we can't fill it up. In terms of alternative sentencing, Benton County has, in my, I think, still the second largest drug court program in the state. We've grown that every year almost uh, for at least well over a decade. I think we've graduated something over 1,000 or 1,200 people out of that program. Um, and so we, we believe in alternative sentencing. Alternative sentencing has to be part of our solution. It will be part of our solution going forward. And the proof's in the pudding. We've expanded it. But the simple truth is not everybody can go to drug court. There are people who are simply a threat to our community. And swift and certain sentencing, swift and certain consequences is what the jail represents. And I actually think even more, and prison's important. Um, Prison space is important. That's another issue. But I actually believe that jail space is even more important because I think for a deterrence aspect, the knowledge that I'm going to jail tonight that there is space for me and the reputation of this area is that there will be consequences is the most important aspect of deterrence. And so you feel like when you hear those those uh, various numbers of incarceration rates yeah. comparing us to other states, I mean, it, it, is Arkansas's population just that more, much more criminal? Well, there's a, there's a statement about, uh, you know, uh, statistics and lies. I think that pro- it depends on who you, whose numbers you, you look at. Um, folks always say, you know, the other thing I've read that's, that's nonsensical is people say that Arkansas has a higher, in- or that the United States has a higher incarceration than China, which is absolute nonsense. 
as if the Communist Party has has a dog in the fight of reporting honest numbers, right? They're they're housing a million Uyghurs sure. right now that they're not admitted but, to. But are you arguing that, that Arkansas is on the low end? No, no, no. What, what, I'm, what I'm saying is what, wherever Arkansas, wherever you, you peg that number, right, wherever you peg that number, what I'm worried about is not necessarily the incarceration rate as the crime rate. The crime rate is what's going to affect people's lives, their, their ability to have a business, have their kids walk down the street, those kinds of things. And, and it's what we've enjoyed in Benton County uh, going forward. So when you look at the per 100,000 um, arrest rate and incarceration rate, we're, we're still in, in, in the low ebb in Benton County. Now, statewide, that, that's another issue. I can't, I can't speak to that. But what I would just challenge people to do is just look at what has worked in the past. And what we're saying is we need to pursue those same policies and all of the above approach that does include an expanded jail for an expanded population and also expanded sentencing, uh, alternative sentencing uh, aspects as well. So Judge Morin, maybe you could just describe, you know, the tax that is being requested and why $200 million? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, that, that, that number, uh, Washington County is doing a jail expansion that is around $113 million, uh, plus they have some money that they're doing for the juvenile detention center. But $200 million is, is I mean, I think we would all agree, is a huge amount of money. Um, and uh, uh, why is that the number, and, yeah. and how does the tax work? Yeah. So let's start with the tax. There are two, actually. Uh, the first one is for bonding authority to actually build the, the walls and the building itself for the jail expansion. That's projected to be between 150 and 165 million dollars. The tax will be one-eighth of a cent sales tax, which is the lowest increment that you can go uh, in a sales tax. The, uh, our bond council, our bond underwriters believe we'll have that paid off in 15 years, but historically of late, those are typically paid off much quicker than that. So the eighth of a cent is temporary, and it actually builds the, the bulk of the facility. <clears throat> the other tax is a quarter cent tax. That is an operations and maintenance tax, and that's so that the sheriff uh, and future sheriffs can actually run the facility. We are one of the few counties of our size that still run our jail out of our general fund. Uh, Washington County, for example, has a quarter cent tax already to operate their jail. We run out, run out ours out of our general fund. Frankly, as we become a more urbanized county and fewer uh, of the lesser of the county is actually in the unincorporated part of the, of the county, the proportion that is dedicated to law enforcement, because that is a countywide responsibility, has grown. And so the jail and the sheriff's office and our courts take up about 60% of our budget now. And if you think about uh, where this jail is going to go, it could actually triple in size over the next 5, 10, 15 years. We could not pay for that out of our general fund. So we have to have an operations and maintenance um, dedicated revenue stream. That's where that quarter cent comes into play. It can only be dedicated to the jail and law enforcement. And frankly, in addition to Washington County, there's quite a few other counties around the state that have that. And, and so that's what we're asking for as well. So the total is three-eighths of a cent. It's about $3.75 on $1,000 spend. You know, there's always those comparisons. I don't want to minimize that it's a new tax. It is. Uh, but we also think it's the appropriate tax in a couple of other ways. One is it keeps every city in Benton County below 10% on their sales tax, with the exception of Cave Springs. Cave Springs will go a little bit over 10%. The other thing that's really important for Benton County is tourism, not just uh, leisure tourism, but even business kind of tourism, the business traveler. They want to come to a safe place. They want to come to a place where they know that they'll be safe, whether it's on the square or on the street or wherever they're going. And so a sales tax also um, derives revenue from that 
source as well. And so we think that's entirely appropriate. As for the size of the facility itself, you know, some people want to hear this and others don't, but Benton County is going to be over half a million people by 2045. This area is going to be over a million people by 2045. You're in the fastest 1% of counties in the country is Benton County. And so we inevitably are going to have to expand this facility. The longer we wait, the more costly it's going to be. And so what we did is we've benchmarked what's happening in some other areas. We actually went and visited a jail under construction that's open now up in Springfield, Missouri. It's about 1,200 beds, half cent sales tax, cost them about $150 million. And so what we've done is we've benchmarked this against similar facilities and it's right in line. I wish I could tell you jails weren't expensive. They are, but keep in mind what you're building out there. It's not just cells, you're building medical space, you're building mental health space, you're building programmatic space, you have to increase sewer lines, you have to increase parking, you have to have a much larger kitchen, you have to have a bigger laundry, you have to have bigger air conditioning and heating. And so it's practically like a mini city that you're constructing out there. Um, and inevitably, we're going to have to do that. So our thought process is let's go ahead and ask voters for it now. It's one of the lowest taxes that we could possibly ask for to do it. And, uh, and we benchmarked it with other facilities. So the, the bed count after construction would be what? Roughly 1,900. Okay. And I know but this that, is that includes renovation of the current facility. Okay. I, I think I mean, that's yeah. a really important point. Okay. Uh, this is an expansion. Now it's a dramatic expansion. But the jail that we have now will continue to function. In fact, it'll have to function as it is for the next three years because we're going to be expanding while, while Sean still operates the jail. Then we're going to have to renovate and, and contemporize that jail so it matches with the new expansion. And then we don't expect to be day one open and have 1,900 people there. Uh, the current jail, I can remember back when it was open, portions of it were closed for many years until it was needed. And that's one of the things we've talked about building it today, knowing that we're going to need it in 10 years. It's cheaper to do it today, uh, which will save us money in the long term. You know, you were talking about our current facility was 16 million roughly that same facility today would be a hundred million dollars so looking back uh, at what county leaders did then uh, sheriff andy lee i mean they saved the county a lot of money doing it then so the as sheriff you you just basically are in charge of taking in the people that law enforcement brings you that the judges say need to be in the jail mm -hmm. uh, and and you're you're responsible for for holding them so you don't have a lot of control over yeah a lot of people think that i can just let anyone go i cannot do that on felonies that's up to the judge on those cases uh, what i do i have uh, say so on who we let go would be misdemeanors but we have been holding misdemeanors for almost three years now except for ones uh, on certain charges that we have to hold for 24 hours domestic cases, uh, DWIs, uh, and Nathan can speak to this. Basically, our uh, lower level courts in our district courts with misdemeanor charges, uh, that whole system is totally broken right now. There's no uh, consequence uh, for behavior or what anyone, what they do, because if they don't come to court, there's no consequence. You want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, we're, we, ta we're talking specifically misdemeanors. Yes, and okay. and so that I know that's an issue for district judges. And I think I mentioned earlier there there was a day where it wasn't uncommon to give somebody on a low level felony or even a significant misdemeanor. Hey, here's 
15 days in Benton County Jail or, or something like that to kind of give them some, you know, dip their toe in the water, one of our judges used to say, um, to hopefully deter their behavior. I think another important point connected to that, and you'll, you'll see this a lot from criminal justice reform advocates, is they'll say, well, um, two things. One, we're holding so many people pre-trial, right. okay? You hear that all the time. Um, so to that point, it, it's as if that someone who is pre-trial before there is a piece of paper with the box checked guilty, that person is safe until that moment. That doesn't make any sense. And so we have to entrust those decisions as to what that person's bond should be set at, should be, there be a no contact order or anything like that, to the, to the circuit judge who's read the probable cause affidavit, knows what the police reports say, and, and makes those decisions. And so the, the, our jail and every jail across the country will always house the vast majority of people pre-trial uh, for the simple reason that when they are convicted, they're either sent to prison, they're released, they're put on probation or, or whatever. The, the second issue I think that relates to the specifically misdemeanors, um, you, you will hear folks say, well, we have too many people, in, we only need violent criminals in, in our jail. Um, and at first blush, that, that sounds reasonable. Certainly we do need violent criminals in our jail. Um, but there's hardly ever someone who is a repeat criminal who is, an, who is only a violent criminal, right? I, I do think that we can create, by a lack of space and thereby a lack of consequences, an air or a feeling of lawlessness where there is no consequences. And so a lot of, a lot of misdemeanors turn into felonies. A lot of low-level felonies turn into significant felonies later. And so it's important to have the space to deal with that issue when it happens so that a judge, when it happens, even if it's a misdemeanor, a judge sitting there can say, this is a person who demonstrates just a flouting of the law and there has to be consequences. And so we have to take that, that approach um, that we're going to enforce every law. There's going to be consequences for every action. And that will create and sustain, I think, the general public safety that has existed in Benton County as long as I've lived there. I, I hope I can expect a, a truthful answer here uh, uh, because, and you'll understand when I ask mm -hmm. the question, are our judges judicious enough? Oh, um, yes. I mean, are, are they, you know, you know, we had a judge that sent one of the judicial mm -hmm. reform people to jail for a night because <laughs> of just a disagreement over sure. being able to hear a proceeding. Um, so when you see, you know, I, when I saw that happen, I thought, well, that's just helping to kind of feed the idea that we're putting people in jail unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, the, the person put in jail was a former judge himself. Um, you know, so I don't think he was a danger to the to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and in our in our current situation, you look at that and you go, is is that really what what we're seeing within the judicial system of just judges getting mad at people and saying, I'm going to put you in jail mm -hmm. when there are alternatives? I will just tell you what I what I have seen because I've been a prosecutor since 2007, and so in 2007, a a person could uh, either behave a certain way in court for, for contempt, which you, which you reference, or commit a low-level felony. And the idea of closing that case without significant jail time or prison time was unthinkable. Um, there, there were drug cases, low-level drug cases, that today may not even be felonies, that 120 days in the Benton County Jail was, was routine, okay? 
um, those days are over. So what we have seen, and, and part of this is statutory changes by the legislature as, as crimes, specifically drug crimes, have been lowered in their felony levels. Uh, but I can just tell you that judges uh, are far, by necessity, are far more apt um, to seek other avenues other than just holding somebody in jail. As prosecutor, uh, you know, we're always asking, you know, usually for someone to have a higher bond than they get, right? So I can, I can tell you that my experience is that uh, judges increasingly are doing that. And, and look, they have to do it by necessity because there just isn't the room. So they're increasingly holding uh, more serious criminals than they were 10 years ago. And sure, you referenced that, that issue. That there have been times in the past where judges have held people in contempt, um, you know, and it's typically an issue where somebody goes out there and they're, you know, released in 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, and so that does happen. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a drop in the bucket to the larger problem. And you can see it when you tour the jail. The folks who are uh, in the jail now uh, versus uh, 12, 15 years ago are a far more uh, serious uh, group of individuals uh, than they were back then. And you can see that, inc that increasing. You can actually feel it when you walk through the jail of uh, how significant um, it is. Okay, I can give you an example on the... Uh, on the misdemeanor through the district courts. Uh, we get calls on a daily basis from the judges, one of the four courts in our county, uh, that they'll have 20 people that they're wanting to sentence that have FTA'd 17, 25 times. F failure to appear. Yeah. And <clears throat> asking us how many beds we have, and we'll have to tell them we have one, we have three. So that judge has to go down that list and figure out of that 20 people, who are the two or three that are going to jail today? Uh, so most people at that level are not coming uh, to the Benton County Jail just because we cannot. And I think this is one thing that kind of gets missed in the discussion. You know, people look at failure to appear and, and you know, it's like, okay, you know, does that, should that send a person, you know, to jail for, you know, a long period of time, make them lose their job, you know, all that sort of thing. But then again, failure to appear is also slow down the whole system. Usually. I mean, just just you know, when because you've got prosecutors, defense attorneys, you've got judges, staff, all those people there for that case on that day, and then the person doesn't show up. Uh, so I I, I kind of understand why failure to appears are important, but do we do that? Do we send those people to jail too much, or or would we like to send them to jail too much? Well, I, I, again, I would just tell you that um, by necessity, people who who fail to appear are in jail far less uh, than they used to be. And to your point, the issue with failures to appear is that they do clog the system, they do slow everything down, they do waste people's time, um, and also that they flout the authority of the court to have a functioning uh, judicial system. And so it's kind of one of those issues that people will look at and they'll say, well, you know, those are, those are nonviolent criminals. And, and to an extent, I agree with that. But again, if, if you essentially, by not having space in your jail, remove consequences, that will create more of an air of lawlessness that will lead to other things. Um, consequences um, are, are what people need to function in life. I remember we had a circuit judge when I first started practicing that, uh, you know, somebody would be on probation and he would essentially give them two or three bites at the apple for, for you know, non-serious issues, but he, he would finally get to the end. And I always remember Judge Keith would take, his, take a blue pen and he had a, he had a file and he would write a blue star on their file. 
and he would show it to the person on probation, and he would say, you know, you know what that blue star means. And they, they, they would almost be crying. They'd be like, it means the next time I'm going to prison. If I get arrested, he said, that's what it means. It means one more time you're going to prison. And we would see people, and Sheriff Holloway probably experienced this, that would get arrested at the roadside that would be begging with the police, like, I have a blue star. I cannot be arrested today. But that consequence drove better behavior because people knew there's a consequence at the end of this decision. And, and that certainty is what we need for public safety. It's the same thing that, you know, I experienced with my parents and now with my children. There has to be consequences. My, my kids d- did not need any help knowing how to lie, cheat, and steal, right? They came out of the packaging knowing how to do that. Um, they need consequences to encourage them not to do those things. So 1,900 beds. Um, we're talking about we have a system that is kind of corked up right now, that there's demand that we just can't meet in terms of putting people in jail uh, who need to be there. So once we get this open, uh, you know, what, where do, you know, does that suddenly blossom, that jail population blossom to 1,200 to, uh, you know, and, and how, how long are we talking about this jail potentially serving the needs of Benton County? Uh, one of the big hurdles that, uh, for me as sheriff, will be finding employees. Uh, so to say that it's going to pop up to 1,200, 1,400, that simply is not going to happen because it's going to be, the growth of it is going to be limited by uh, me being able to find qualified people to work at the facility. That's a challenge now. Uh, certainly, uh, if we go out and say, I need another 100 employees, that's going to take me many years to get to that point. And that's what some of the operational tax that mm-hmm. will pay for, right? Jailers right. that you need. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's many areas of our uh, northwest Arkansas, you know, labor shortage on many fronts, and the jail's no exception to that. Uh, it's a very hard job, so finding the right individuals to do that will take uh, quite a bit of time, honestly. Your second question, I think we need this jail to be, uh, you know, a 30-year vision for this jail. That's hard to predict sitting here today because if you had Sheriff Lee here going back when he was making his decisions and coming up with what he thought would be needed, uh, at the time he was thought that he way overshot the mark, and he didn't. Um, He actually, I think he'd probably be shocked today at how under capacity we are but but it would be ideal for this for this facility to last us out about 30 years would be ideal and i can say i can remember being a young officer at rogers when the current facility was built by sheriff lee and what the law enforcement community were thinking why are we building a prison and the other thing was why is it out in the middle of nowhere well it's not out in the middle of nowhere now and i today me being sheriff sitting here i have a total appreciation for the vision that uh, sheriff lee and the court had then to see what our future was coming and I think it's uh, our responsibility to replicate what they did then uh, to ensure that we're going to have a safe place to live in the next 20 years. So you guys, um, I think you, you kind of brushed on this earlier, but um, that part of this expansion includes some kind of a mental health aspect. Uh, help me to understand what, what, why that's part of this and, you know, is the sheriff really the person to be dealing, you know, with medical issues? Uh, your last question there, uh, probably not. Uh, but what's reality? Uh, what reality is, 
we have people in our society who have um, mental health issues and oftentimes they end up in our criminal uh, justice system. Uh, they end up at the county jail. Uh, they're to the point that we can't let them out or they're just going to get rearrested based on their mental uh, state at that time and they'll be right back. Uh, there's not enough room at the state level. Uh, hopefully that will get fixed at some point in our near future. Uh, but say all that to say, at the end of the day, they end up my responsibility. And today, uh, I really have no resources or abilities uh, to help these people who are uh, needing help. Uh, so when we started looking at this project initially during COVID, uh, this was actually one of our main focuses when we started, was how do we ad address this issue? Because that's a very labor intensive uh, issue for me when we have someone of that nature in our facility. Uh, it requires us checking on them every 10 to 15 minutes, 24 hours a day. Uh, they often need medication. Uh, we have uh, a medical staff there that can uh, evaluate and look at it, and we occasionally have a psychiatric help. Uh, with this facility, this would be a purposely built area uh, for these people who uh, have mental health issues with a uh, higher level of psychiatric treatment and counseling, and the area of the facility would look different than the rest of the jail. It would be more softened. Uh, they'll be in a in a holding area where they can't hurt themselves. Uh, we don't have that today, uh, so that I think uh, just as human nature, I think it. I look at it that it's our responsibility to try to help these people to get them to a point that we can get them stabilized enough. Uh, we don't want to be their long term holding, but I, if we can get them stabilized, that we can get them outside to a professional help that they're really needing, so that they can be functional in society again. Uh, to, but to answer your question, they're going to end up with me no matter what. Uh, I have no reason to ask this question, but I just always feel safer when I do ask it. We're talking about this uh, tax um, uh, uh, to build it and tax to operate it. Um, we're not going to discover a few years down the road that we're using this this tax revenue for for you know brand new vehicles for everybody or for um, things that aren't specific to the jail. Well, the, the quarter cent is specific to jail and law enforcement. That's the way the ballot language reads. The intent is really the additional activity generated by the jail. So the, the jail, you have a transportation group, and that transportation group has vehicles. Those vehicles will have to change over. I mean, things like that will happen. Um, but, but neither of these taxes would be called for unless we were building this jail. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think when you look at um, how that's going to play out and you look at the number of people that the sheriff's going to have to hire and you look at just the increase in meals and the increase in cost for having professional staff for medical and mental health and I, I think we're going to have all we can handle um, with the jail itself with the tax. That's what it's intended to to be there for. Uh, if we weren't going to expand this jail we wouldn't need that tax. So they all they do go hand in glove. I would come back to though um, we couldn't operate a facility of this size without that operations and maintenance tax. It would basically deplete the county budget across the board. Um, and, and again, I'll go back to, these are some of the growing pains in Benton County. Um, there are rural parts of the county, but we're not necessarily a rural county like we used to be. And so that increased population leads to this increased size of facility. And this is a facility that from a county perspective, we service all the citizens, not just unincorporated citizens. So it takes a disproportionate share 
of our budget. And that's, that's the reality. Um, so back to your question, no, those taxes are dedicated because we're expanding the jail. So, so the ongoing operations tax, can it legally be used for the, let's say, the enforcement side as opposed to the jail side? It could. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's so the, the way the ballot language is written, it's for jail or law enforcement purposes, but not, not beyond any of that. Okay. And partially because those are, those are, yeah, commingled is not the right word, but those are fungible accounts. There's a, it's a sheriff's account, if you will. Now, there is a separation for jail and there's a separation for, um, your patrol and, and others, but but yeah, that's the way the ballot language is written. And let's say the voters approve this, does that then free up money within the general fund that you will be able to ask the quorum court to use for other purposes? I don't know if it will do that or not. That's not the intent um, because we, we currently have about 13, was it $14 million for the jail today? There's, there's no intention that that wouldn't still go towards the jail. Um, now, the additional funding that'll come in from the O&M tax to start with, keep in mind, there are some other things related to the movement of this facility. There's what we call soft costs, for example, tables, chairs, um, things that, are, that aren't brick and mortar. We don't want to put those in a bond. So initially, those are going to be paid for out of the O&M tax. Uh, there's contingency that'll be paid for out of the O&M. And keep in mind, this also includes moving the criminal courts out there. And the bond doesn't have one penny to go towards the movement of the criminal courts. The criminal courts will be paid separately uh, out of a combination of American Rescue Plan funds, County General Reserve funds, and then also uh, buying all the soft costs for that would come out of that O&M to start with as well. So, yeah. the, so the bonding part, I mean, the bonding part is about two-thirds of the overall cost of the project because we wanted to keep that bond as low as possible. The rest, we're going to have to scrape together from these other resources to make sure that we have what we need to, to get that built and then operate. And pay the bond off sooner. And yeah, yeah. So that would be the, the operating theory would be let's pay that bond off as soon as we can. Yep. Ideally. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you look at what's happened in nearly every city in northwest Arkansas, but let's look at the four bigs, Fayetteville, Rogers, uh, Bentonville, Springdale, they've all had major bond issues. Some are an extension of, I think, I think in those cases, those are all extension of existing taxes. They've all been able to pay those off sooner than was initially projected, in part because of the amenities and the infrastructure provided helped drive the economic engines of those cities. Um, this is, you know, it's a little different than a sewer or a road, but this isn't that much different from an infrastructure standpoint. This will be an important component for public safety. Therefore, it's an important component for our quality of life. And keeping this momentum going here in Northwest Arkansas uh, will help pay those off sooner. If that, if those two variables start to go south, particularly the public safety piece, um, then you know what? We may pay for that economically. So let's assume voters decide they don't want a new tax or they don't think the jail needs to be expanded. Uh, you know, I guess this is where you get to predict scary things. Um, but, you know, what is, what is the answer if uh, voters say no to this? Well, I think that, uh, you know, the sheriff and corn poor in the jail will have to um, basically try to put Band-Aids on this as, as well as they can. None of them will be sufficient. I think what voters need to understand is 
Um, we're, we are going, if this does not pass, we are going to be in the position of releasing an increasing number of felons who otherwise we would put in the jail back into the community simply because we don't have room. Um, and, th- and that really is the choice before them. Um, I'm confident that at some point Benton County will expand this jail because we have to. Uh, we, we have to do it. None of us here, uh, I certainly don't, uh, want to stand up and ask for a tax increase. There's zero political benefit in doing that, but it is the right thing to do. We've seen the, we've seen the results over and over again um, of what happens when you don't take public safety seriously. And you have to ask yourself why since that, uh, certainly the, the early 90s through the, the late 20-teens, did, did crime in the United States fall off a cliff uh, statistically at the same time when we were incarcerating an increasing number of serious criminals. And it's because they, they weren't out in the community co- to commit crime. And so what I worry about is if we don't do it, we will see crime rates tick up. There will be real life effects for this. And we will eventually make this decision when it w- becomes a lot more costly and there's, a, there's more of a crisis than there is right now to expand it. Can, and let me expand that, this idea of Band-Aids. Um, because they're expensive. So let me give you the most recent example of the county. We had a courts facility on the ballot a few years ago, uh, and I led the charge on that, and it failed in a special election. It failed pretty spectacularly. It wasn't even that close. Um, But had that building been built at a bonded cost of $25 million for an eighth of a cent for five years, we'd be holding court in that building today on some of the most valuable property in the region that will have been given to us with a parking deck built for us across the street to accommodate eight courtrooms, including still keeping the historic courthouse in downtown Bentonville, okay? Fast forward to where we are now. Now we're at a point where we really are at a crisis point with our courts. We're gonna have to do something. And so the idea here is to move four criminal courts or to build four criminal courtrooms and move our criminal courts out to this new facility. This new courts facility is gonna cost about 30 plus million dollars for four courts, so half as many courts, additional cost, no property in downtown Bentonville, no parking deck in downtown Bentonville. And so just in a matter of four or five years where we could have had a building basically operating and nearly paid for that would have accommodated our courts needs for many years to come, that didn't pass. And now the Band-Aid, the Band-Aid is gonna cost us probably twice as much per courtroom. That's exactly what will happen on this jail facility. Yep, it might fail, and we might cobble together something for a couple hundred beds now and a couple hundred beds later. Things that relate to mental health, medical health, programming, the very things that the reform people would like for us to do will fall by the wayside because we'll have no other choice than to just simply build space for inmates. And that's why this is so important to get passed. So what have I not asked you that you feel like is important for people to know? One of the arguments I hear a lot, if we would just quit holding state inmates and turn those people loose, we wouldn't need any jail space. That's a that's not true. At any given point, when we have 750 to 800 uh, people in the facility there, roughly of that number, 100 to 135 or so are waiting for a prison bed. So if you take that number away from, say, 800, uh, that still leaves me at capacity. Uh, and that's based on just the pure growth of our our areas, like Nathan said, you know, per capita, we're not really seeing a spike in any area. But when you add 
100,000 people over a 10-year period, you're going to just see a TikTok of everything that's in the criminal justice system. And that's what we're seeing right now. I this, would, I'm sorry, go ahead. This is still a great place to live. Don't get me wrong. This, you know, I live here and you guys lived here and people move here because this is one of the best places in the country to live. And I'll argue that the reason is because we have low crime here. Why do we have low crime here? Because we've always had a very uh, robust uh, criminal justice system from the courts uh, to the local police departments. Uh, this, they make things work here and that's why it's a safe place to live. And I think this is, you know, I want to live here the rest of my life and I, I would love for it to stay the way it is. And I think this is very crucial uh, to maintaining uh, what we have today, which is very special. Yeah, I would just say that there's a reason that the sheriff, every police chief, um, everyone in law enforcement, it, it's unanimous um, for folks who are uh, in that world that we need to, to build this facility, we need to build this jail. Um, it's important for people to know the sheriff, me, the county judge, none of us make one dollar more if this thing passes. Um, I could go to a lot of uh, fantastic places and fancy conferences um, to talk about alternative sentencing. And uh, it would be a wonderful thing to be able to stand up and tell people we can release hundreds of people and you will all be safer and we'll all save money. That just is not reality. Um, the reality is that there is a cost to not doing this, both economically, as Judge Mooring was talking about, and to people's quality of life. If I were not the prosecuting attorney tomorrow, I would believe this is the most important infrastructure project that people are going to vote for because public safety makes everything go. We have to have this. This is a critical need for our public safety, and um, I'm hopeful the voters will uh, agree to it. The, the hard part is, is that we have inherited um, a very safe community because people made this decision 30 years ago and they made the right one and as a result of that it's kept our crime significantly low. Um, we've got to continue that into the future and so I think what's important for folks to know is um, you know th this is not something that is from rappers from any financial or any other perspective going to really benefit any of us. It's just you know a way of saying uh, we need this. The community needs it and if we don't do it there are going to be consequences that we'll have to deal with. All right, well, Prosecutor Nathan Smith, Sheriff Sean Holloway, County Judge Barry Mooring, I appreciate y'all being here today. Thanks for covering a wide range of questions on this, and uh, good luck in, uh, in everything you guys do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. This Speaking of Arkansas podcast is a presentation of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. You can find this podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and other podcast platforms. As always, you can also find the full universe of our podcasts at nwaonline.com podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll know when future episodes of Speaking of Arkansas become available. And as always, thanks for listening.